You're listening to another episode of the Great Scott Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? We are uh, here. Very excited to bring you more goodness from Office Season 5. Yes, um, and we, uh, we're we using a new recording software today, so if you like how it sounds, please let us know so we can figure out if we want to you know, get the premium version, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, what was it, uh, two episodes ago or something, we had that like catastrophic technical issue where I sounded like a robot <laughs> chipmunk the whole time. Right. Uh, and so we're doing everything we can to avoid that. Yeah. And um, also to reward, ha- re- avoid having to re-record episodes because re-recording a two hour episode is really difficult. Well, there's so much spontaneity in our conversations when we do it. It's, it's tough to recreate the magic the second time. Yep. 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 Um, well, great advancements in technology like that are thanks to our lovely sponsors over at Patreon. Um, and if you want to become a Patreon of us, visit patreon.com slash broken jars. Uh, we just opened up some new tiers for different, uh, people. Um, and the big one is, uh, stickers, right? Yes. Well, I don't know if it's, well, it's no, we have physical things we can give you. So if you want stickers, uh, it's. Yeah, they're right there. Uh, for all, if you're if you're listening on the audio, find our YouTube and you can see the sexiness that is our stickers. Boom. Um, yeah. So if it's three dollars a month, we'll send you about ten stickers for that, and you can also get on our Discord for that and all sorts of other fun stuff. Yeah, personalized recording messages for eight dollars. Back uh, backstage sneak peeks of episodes. Uh, that's tw- no, that's twenty bucks, something like that. It's, yeah, it's right. Nice. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. We're all excited. Um, introducing some new technology to the network is is a fun thing to do. And now we got some swag. Um, if you are not a Patreon uh, and want an opportunity to get some stickers, some of the uh, Broken Jars folks will be coming out to different uh, conventions across the country. And Jacob, you're going to San Diego, right? Yep. Yeah, going to the big end. When when is that? Uh, then I'll. Uh, well, preview nights on July nineteenth. So, oh, so I guess, techni- guess technically it starts on July twenty. Yeah, I was emailing everybody this week like my reservations are still good, right? Because I made everything back in April. Like right. the day I got the ticket, I booked everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I double check like Southwest, make sure my flights were still good, make sure my Amtrak was still good. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um. But there you go. So if you want to meet a, a bona fide member of the Broken Jars Broadcast Network. Yeah. And if even if you're just in the area, you know, just hit me up. We'll go get some beers or something. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be good times. Uh, I'm not going there. That's too far. But, <laughs> but we got some East Coast cons that will be coming up later in the year. And that'll be fun to uh, try to orchestrate that kind of thing. Yep. But enough of that. We're going on a lecture circuit. You know, I remember really hating these episodes, but mm. I actually kind of like them, like, on this watch through. 
that is fair. Um, mostly because I still might feel how you feel before you enjoyed them. They're fine, but but we'll get into the nitty gritty, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like they all of a sudden became five out of fives for me. I'm just, I was yes. dreading watching these and now and rewatching them like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You made them sound like a five out of five. No, I just like them more than I thought I would. <laughs> you're, you're coming out strong for him, is all I'm saying. All right, so uh, lecture circuit, we're going to do it's a two-parter, which it's a true two-parter. I mean, it really just feels like one big episode. So right. we're going to treat them as one episode today. So the cold open for this is a phone guy came in and showed Michael how to turn the phones in, into a PA function throughout the office and he is using them in the way we would fully expect Michael Scott to use a PA function. It's, um, it is terrifying (laughs) and I would also hate it. Um, some stuff that, uh, you know, he talks about, um, he's he's announcing people as if they're sports athletes, right? He's pretending he's a pilot. Um, Right. And he's like, the office will be flying out of two stories. If you look out the left window, you can see Vance Refrigeration and Creed looks out the window. Yeah, as if he's expecting to see something a little different. Um, And of course, the the funny one is the the inadvertent conversation he has over the PA system with his doctor, right? Right. Asking if he can stick his mole with a pen. It's terrible. It's like, uh, no, I haven't been squeezing it, but can I stick it with a pin? <laughs> like, like, he knows enough to not be, like, squeezing it, but he really wants to mess with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I guess we all have that, right? At least I, I'm really bad about it. Like, if I've got a scab, it's everything inside of me to not pick at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got one from uh, moving my brother. And uh, it was doing good for a couple of days, but all today I'm just, like, ripping at it and stuff, and I'm going to have this fun little... <laughs> Annoying I don't know if you can yeah. see it, but I got a small cut on my head up here from I was doing some some work on my car yesterday. And I guess I don't remember nicking myself, but I guess I nicked myself with something. Oh, man. <laughs> so I got this little scab up here. I'm like, just just don't think about it and you won't be picking it. <laughs> it's going to be terrible tomorrow if I'm like in the office and I start like picking at it and it starts bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be like, wouldn't make people want to eat lunch with you, I suppose. Um, well, so then Jim saves the day, though. He grabs his scissors, walks in, and pretends that he forgot something, right? Just kind of... What would he have forgotten, right? I know. Like, he dropped a phone number on the ground, or his pager, or I don't know. <laughs> a particular pencil he likes doing numbers with, I don't know. But uh, he snips the cord and walks out, and Michael continues to <laughs> do it none the wiser. Right. But, and, you know, he does the, like, what was the uh, intro for Michael Jordan when he was playing for the Bulls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing I can gather, because it doesn't seem like Michael would really be into basketball that much. Right. Well, I mean, that's not true. I mean, we did have basketball episode, but I was kind of wondering if he got that from Space Jam. Oh, I could see that, because that's probably his favorite thing. Um. I know I don't see enough Space Jam mentioned on like Prime TV. I think that that's a oh, real yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the plot of our episode here is that Michael, having being the only manager who runs a successful ba- branch that still makes money in the company, 
is tasked by David Wallace to visit other branches to kind of give inspirational speeches and tips as to how to, you know, keep sales up, all that jazz, right? Right, yeah, yeah. The first shot we see is Michael walking out of one of those skeezy My Name is Earl hotels, and then um, he knocks on another door, and then Pam comes out. That's another out. show that doesn't get talked no. about very enough is My Name is Earl. Yeah, and they, they ripped it from our grasp too soon. I remember watching it on Netflix, and like the season finale is like one of those like big cliffhangers because they're trying to figure out some important piece of information, you know, spoiler-free here. And then the show got canceled. What the hell's the point, man? <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, uh, so, you know, you're trying to figure out why Michael and uh, Pam are together at a motel. And instantly Michael's like, we are running away together, right? We have eloped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I guess Pam is his so like... Oh, we've robbed a bank. We're yeah. on the lamb. Land. I think he said land. We're I think he said land, land yeah. Um, but yeah, Pam's like his on-the-road assistant and chauffeur. It's weird. Why is she the mm-hmm. chauffeur? Is that, or is that his choice? You got to figure he's sitting in the back, but I did the math. So she's getting time and a half, 24 seven for three days. Right. This is, this is without the trip up to Nashua. So I don't know that, but just for what she said there, she got 108 hours or 2.7 weeks of pay for three days. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it would be tough to to deal with Michael you know, that much Michael, but for three weeks of pay, basically three weeks of pay for in a day, that's uh, pretty solid. Yeah, that's, um, it's almost worth it, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would do it. I would, I would be like, here, Michael, here's, here's lots of alcohol and an ambient. Go, <laughs> go pass out. Well, we haven't really seen him perform his speech as well. Um, so it probably wouldn't have made much of a negative impact. Well, yeah, but it would be the nighttime, right? You know, it'd be the after hours. That'd be hard to handle. Oh, sure. Yeah, the after hours lecture circuit. So oh, that would have been a good episode. <laughs> I don't know. He would have really been pressuring Pam to wear something a little. Uh, oh, yeah. Blades of Glory-ish. Um, so he's visiting basically everywhere except for Nashua because that's where Holly was transferred to. Right. Hey, do you think that was a request from Michael? Or do you think David said, you don't have to go to Nashville because, or you shouldn't go because? Um, I mean, Michael, or not Michael, David doesn't seem like the guy who would do, who would care that much. Right. You know, maybe, like, I don't, I don't think he would say to Michael, hey, look, I know things are raw, so don't go. I think he might have given him the option, but... Beyond that, I would assume it would be a request from Michael. Right. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so he doesn't have to go there. So the first place we see them go, and I don't think it's the first place on their trip, is um, what the hell is it called? Utica. Right. And this feels like a bit of a, um, a retcon because Utica's not that far. Right, because we right. saw them do it in Branch Wars in season three, and they did it in a day, you know, back right. and forth in a day. So, but they're obviously on the road to you know to a hotel, and it wouldn't make sense for them to 
go somewhere farther away to come back towards Scranton. So it would, it would make sense probably that the first branch they would go to would be Utica. Right. With the, you know, what we saw in Branch Wars. So it feels it, like it's much farther away. Right. And it really feels like the Scranton branch is the southernmost branch that they've got anyways, based on like maps we've seen, right? Yeah, it would seem that way. Unless you count like New York, because, you know, New York south is south. Oh, east that's, of fair. that's right. Scranton. But I don't know how much sales they actually do out of there. Is there like a New York New York branch that's different from corporate or is there like a sales team in corporate? Right, right. Um, well, yeah, actually it would it would make sense to have a corporate sales team that would assist with the big sales, but we never hear about that, so like um like a like a nationwide Provide right, like, or something, right? Yeah. You know, hey, you know, big hitters. Sort of like what Jan was trying to do in, um, oh, God, the name of the episode. Uh, the client. The uh-huh. one where they oh, go to Chile. Lackawanna County. Right, right. It's kind of like that. You would, you would kind of assume that a company like that would have a couple of really big hitters on the national level. Right, to, like, come in and, like, be the ringers as opposed to having the... Uh, Local reps try to figure out the logistics of doing some type of nationwide or even statewide kind of distribution multi, plan, right? Yeah. Or multi state, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. You know, because you'd figure, I mean, the Northeast isn't that big, right? Yeah. I can, I mean, within, if you were to drop a four hour circle around my house, I could be in like four states in Canada. Right. So, you know, so the odds are there would be a lot of multi state companies that they would be servicing right that's fair um to the point of why the hotel room the office wikia does say that the first stop is the utica branch so like you're saying it's close enough that it's just kind of weird that they would leave the night before i mean maybe that's what it was though they got a a night before so they could get in when the office opened but they show up late so it's, it's like it matters but Right. Yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense So to do that. Yeah. Nope, that's I, fair. Because at, um, at least in Branch Wars, it felt, felt like it was like three or four hours away. Right, right, right. Like they were gone the whole day by the time they came back. And it's not like, or at least it didn't seem like Michael's presentation was a day long thing. You know, if it was supposed to be like eight to five for an entire day, I could see going there the night before. That that I can see, but for something that seemed like it should have been like two to three hours tops. Yeah. It just really doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um so right, the importance of the Utica branch is that Karen Filippelli works there and she's now the regional manager. Also makes you wonder what the hell a regional manager is because, like, what region? It seems like she's just the manager of that branch. Like, there's nothing regional about it, per se. They don't have, like, sub offices or, you know? Right, right. It just It's a title. It's the, the manager of the branch. Right, right. Essentially. Um, but the, there's a big, important piece of information we learn as soon as Karen shows up is that she is Pregger's. Right. Mad pregnant, yo. Um, and Michael's like, is it Jim's, right? It's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to figure out the last time you had sex with Jim. Yeah. Uh, but we find out it's, you know, she's 
got a husband and she's married and all that jazz and it's a totally non-gym related pregnancy which makes right. sense because it was like forever ago so this this uh this episode aired about two months before the first parks and rec episode aired so i kind of wonder if like they brought her back in just because she was working for nbc again it was like hey you're around again let's toss you in an episode <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. I always imagined she left for Parks and Rec, but like you're saying, it's like it was actually like a year and change since she left. But if the first season was in production in 2008, and Parks and Rec aired in 2009, maybe I don't really. Know. Yeah, I mean, they you would figure you'd figure it takes at least a year to get a you know a full se- even though the first season of Parks and Rec was short, right? It takes a while to get that off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I figured she left also aside from like the story needs or whatever, but uh, right. Well, that's, I always kind of figured that's why they wrote her out. Right. But even though, but even though she would, it would have been hard to keep her unless she was just more, you see her more at the other branch, you know, for a couple episodes here and there. Well, and also too, I mean, because it's the same creative team on both shows, you know, so it would have been weird to see the same actress, I think, in two shows that are right. so and similar prob- in style. Probably would figure that Parks and Rec would have started sooner if it wasn't for the writer's strike. Right, right. That, you know, pushed everything back six months uh, yeah. or eight months or whatever it was. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, that's enough non-off stuff. <laughs> um, so we get into the actual lecture itself. And... Um, we start talking about his, uh, what do you call it? Like his name. His For, mnemonic devices. Yeah, his mnemonic devices. That's it. And he comes up with horribly offensive nicknames for everybody, but he does remember their names. So it's one of those things that you probably don't verbalize as you're working it out. It's just a mental thing. Right. And, you know, there's, we learn in Michael Scott Paper Company, he has all these bits of information that he color codes right. on his, right. his Rolodex. And it's all about how he shouldn't say things. And I wonder if he uh, ever verbalized this and realized he should never actually say it out loud. Right. Um, well, I guess he kind of does because there's that one sticker specifically that Dwight says out loud and Michael had a sticker on it. Uh, oh, green. Green means go on and shut up about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, pretty much everything means don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't write down any of the nicknames he gives off, but they are funny. Oh, uh, it's like Shirty, Lazy Eye, Mole, Mexico, yeah, Sugar, Sugar Boobs. Boobs. Sugar Boobs is always the memorable one. But uh, <laughs> And Karen even goes so far as to say, you know, that's offensive. And he also tries to make them uh, do the – the exercise with each other. They're like, well, we already know each other's names. Good. It'll be easy then, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But usually not how that would work. Um, And Karen ends up calling off the meeting early. Uh, Oh, yeah. She's just not having none of that shit, man. Like, she worked for Michael for a year, and she was like, nope, uh -uh, none of this. No, she hated it. Um, So they end up in Karen's office. And uh, that's where we find out about her husband, and there's a picture of them together. It's the hot dog picture, right? Hot dog, and <laughs> she's like a hamburger. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. 
very corny. So meanwhile, back in Scranton, uh, Dwight and Jim are now the head of the party planning committee because apparently one head gets too powerful. And how the party planning committee had power is beyond me, but that's a whole other discussion. Right. <laughs> but they forget Kelly's birthday. Yeah. And she is pissed off. And like by a full day. So like it's yeah. the day after now. Kelly is upset and livid and uh, it was terrible. So she's mad and she's calling them names and it's it's great. This is a great battle to watch, I think. <laughs> Kelly versus uh, the salespeople. Well, and you think is, is you could tell well, there, there's a great talking head about how they're like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Right. And how they both hate it. And you can tell they, they, they don't want to be doing it, but they don't want to do a bad job. And they're actually upset that they forgot Kelly's birthday. Right. So it's that, that in, internal conflict of we really don't want to be here, but we don't, we're sad we upset one of our friends too. At yeah. least that's what I got from Jim. Right. Um, so then they go and set out to throw a belated party for her to kind of right. win back her good graces and such. And then, Phyllis is constantly in the background, like watching them with like some oh, type of like snippy comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's always a theme. Yeah. So the first thing they end up, uh, well, so they they set out to like decorate, right? Which is one of the one of the more iconic, just like pictures you see of the office. Uh, it is it is your birthday. Period. Yeah, yeah. It is a statement of fact. <laughs> and this is our first kind of. Uh, insight into how <laughs> Jim and Dwight are going to pull this party off basically, right? Right. They're not on the same page at all whatsoever. Well, I mean, Dwight's trying. You yeah. Know, the balloons, the the brown and gray balloons, they match the carpet. Yeah, I know. Which is like a crazy, like it's funny f- to think that that's what he thinks makes a good party decoration. Like it's not to spruce up the place, it's just to make more of the same. <laughs> so browns well, and grays. Uh, we kind of see this again in down the line where he wants to buy the figurine at the ste- at the mall. Oh, yeah. They won't let him in. Right. And he's like, you know, he's wearing yellow and yellow like he always does. And they tell him to spruce it up. He's like, what? Don't match colors to look more fancy? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that is a, a pretty good impression of what a unfashionable man would say makes fashion right it's like okay well then everything will just match i remember i went to college with a guy who wore a brown t-shirt and brown shorts one day and they were like the same and it was like he came in and we were all talking and it got real quiet and i was like you look like a giant shit (laughs) because he did and that's that's kind of the problem walking around in the same colors someone's gonna call you a poop probably (laughs) um so they go to decorate uh we find out that jim is supposed to be collecting money from everybody he's only got six dollars which is Mm -hmm. the amount of money that they put in but he's still working on it so it's okay (laughs) um let's see Uh, and there's a there's also a c storyline at least for the first part where Stanley brings in an attractive African-American lady uh-huh. uh, and Andy really wants, wants her. So he's trying to get the client from Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. 
He comes in singing this really ridiculous song about the coffee and <laughs> Yeah, this storyline makes me feel real uncomfortable. It's it's like I don't know. So Andy approaches Stanley and like gives him a, a stern talking to because they're bros, right? Okay. And Stanley should be like uh you know, giving him up. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's nuts. And then Stanley so I think it's in a deleted scene, but um, I think Stanley actually has a talking head where he explains like it's not that big a sale or he didn't think the sale was going through or it's like one of those things. And then what Andy ended up trading him was like more beneficial than what the possibilities would have been if. Uh, right. The- and it kind of it kind of makes me wonder. Uh, so Andy, we find out, is not doing very well as a salesman. Right. So do you think that maybe he had been trading clients to try and get things he wanted? And so that's why he was good in Stanford and now is terrible in Scranton because he's traded away his clients. You know, that is a funny concept and I could see him do it, but as also because it seemed like um, Stanley's idea, you know, but to your point, it could be like, because Stanley knows this is usually how this goes with Andy, right? It's like, okay. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, because that's another like weird retcon they do is like make Andy terrible at his job, even though he was like the number two before Jim came on board, right? Right. And yeah, that that's something I, w- I would really wish it was more background to. Like, how is he good in Stanford, but terrible in Scranton? Right, right. Maybe he just had to. Maybe he was competing with Dwight, right? Yeah, that's true. So, like, it put him off or whatever. I mean, he really goes downhill after the anger management. So maybe that could be a thing. Yeah, maybe he wasn't as assertive. Yeah. So he. Kinda that's a good point. Over, maybe right? maybe it's anger management's fault. Boom! There it is. And that was a Dunder Mifflin, you know, thing. They're like, you have to go to anger management. Now well, you're terrible it, at your job. Well, I'm sure it was a choice. Go to anger management or get fired, you know? But at what cost, man? Well, it's cheaper to send him to anger management than to replace him, you know? That's, then that's you then you risk losing all of his clients. Right. Which um, I think happens anyway, but... Yeah. Uh, so, I, they... Yeah, so the, the Julia thing, I'm not... Not crazy about, but it happens. Um, <laughs> and also, another weird thing: why are they meeting in the uh, lunchroom? You would think they would be, yeah, in the conference room, right? Like every other client meeting we see, they're in the conference room. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little weird. I mean, they're not doing it at his desk; it's in their break room. And I guess presumably it's not anywhere near lunchtime. But yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing because you're sitting with possible food stains and stuff and there's a stinky microwave over there not the messy I'm one. I'm just going to pretend that Creed is doing something crazy in the conference room because that's the most enjoyable scenario for well, why they're not in the conference room. Well, it's Kelly's party. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Maybe it's, it is, that's right. The conference room is set up for Kelly's party. But similarly, and I know that when they have parties, it's traditionally in the conference room. But like, I feel like Jim would be of sound body and mind actually Dwight would be too to be like no this is a place of business <laughs> let business happen in the proper place and let's move the party elsewhere but I think it's just like a weird thing the two stories were written and aired together but they're kind of like just meant to be separate concepts you know yeah maybe it's weird I don't know but anyways that probably why that's also part aside from the assault 
why that sale would not go through by the end of this episode. But uh, <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, that happens, and then we um, find ourselves with like uh, Jim and Dwight are now separate, trying to do some multitasking, and Jim is trying to get a cake. Yeah, and, and while Dwight is doing the recon, what was it the recon? Right, recon. Sure. Yeah. Soldier of Recon. Um, he finds out that Kelly was in juvenile detention for right. a year, right? When she for was like 14. For stealing her ex-boyfriend's dad's boat. Yeah. He thought it would be romantic like Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Like, so. I would, part of me really would love a young Kelly show because yeah. you know that girl was batshit. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's a part earlier too, um, where Kelly's like, "This is the saddest I've ever been." Um, but then she alludes that her sister passed away, also. Right, um, on the day my sister died. Yeah, and I always wonder what age that was at too. Um, but she treats it as like such an afterthought, right? <laughs> She's like, "Oh yeah, my sister died." Because it's not one of the sisters we see in Diwali. I think I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. the time frame, but like, what if one of those girls died? That would be crazy, though. Right? That they just casually kill off a character we've met. <laughs> Morbid writer just yeah. murdering people. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Jim comes back and he sees that uh, Dwight's basically interrogating Kelly about her crimes when she was young and all that jazz. And he breaks it up and is able to distract her by saying, We got you a cake. Uh, and then this is where Phil is this famous line of there's always a theme um, is because they show this just plain white frosted cake. Right. Right. Um, there's no well, name on it. Because Jim couldn't remember if there was an L or if there was an E between the L and the Y. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, do you recall? But I see it's in your notes here. So that's cheating. <laughs> but the thing is, is. He was in, like, Dwight would have known because he was reading her file. I Well, but that's why it's funny because he just got, you know, the juvenile detention thing is too much. You can't just let that oh, go. Okay. And also, aren't those, like, generally, like, sealed? <sighs> right. Because you're, like, under the age of 18, 18 or whatever. Yeah. like. Well, but I think that's what it is. I guess they mentioned that you are in the program, but not what for, as opposed to. If you were uh, an adult criminal and it, like, you know why they were in, but I don't know. I, mean, I thought, um, I'm being made, I could just be wrong, but I thought, like, your your juvenile record got erased when you turned 18. Right. Maybe it's a state thing. Maybe, maybe it's a Pennsylvania thing. I don't know. Well, you don't have any criminal record in your youth, do you? A little, I mean, a little bit, stupid stuff. Because then we can figure it out, Jacob. Go to your work and be like, listen, do you know what I did when I was a child? <laughs> uh, there, But maybe that's why she got hired, because of that, you know, tax credit. For uh, that whole work program thing, yeah. She's the new uh, Martin. Well, she was the original Martin, because she was there before. OG Martin, uh, that's fair. So they got a minority and a tax credit. Win win. But we but we know that isn't true because she was there and they would have said something. That's right. Like they, they would have known what that tax credit would have would have yeah. been. Um so right, so there's there's more humor with that, but then we end up uh 
So that's that thing. I'm trying to figure out because, as you said, these episodes blur together. So. Right. And yeah, so that, uh, well, the lo- sort of roll, wrap it up. Andy, oh, the first part. Andy tries to kiss Julie. Julia. Ju- Julia. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, whoa, what's going on? He just spills everything. Like, I got a bad relationship. And, hey, do you just want to go walk around the mall? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this is terrible. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And I think it's a little creepy. And I understand, like, it's funny. And I know that Andy is uh, obviously a little emotional and sensitive and not of right mind. But uh, it's a weird scene. <laughs> and he tries to kiss. Oh, and for sure. And Julia's like, what the hell, man? And, you know, she could have freaked out on him a lot more. But she's pretty chill about it. Good for him. Uh, you know, and. Well, when she leaves, we Andy in a talking head reveals that he didn't make the sale, which makes sense. Yeah, or no, they lost the client. They lost the client, right? It was it wasn't even the sale, but that customer is no longer their customer. Uh, yeah, because it it kind of seemed um that she that they they that they had an ongoing relationship with the with the customer. Right, right. So. It's creepy. It's terrible. Andy goes back upstairs, dejected and a little worse. And I and I continue to say, and it's really weird because at some point I have to blame Andy. But I just feel like the writers constantly do Andy a disservice. He could have been great. And every day they chip away at him. <laughs> they make him a creepy client kisser. You know, they make him a, a xenophobe hating British people. Um, it's just terrible. Well, I, the reason he hated Nellie was because she just straight up took his job, you know? <laughs> That's fair. Sure. <laughs> I don't think it was because she was British. I think it was because she took his job. Yeah. Okay. 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 You got me. That's that's fair. Um, But we do... So, and, oh, so, okay. So, there's a couple more things because we end up deciding, too, for Michael and Pam that they're going to go to Nashua. Right? Right. Because Karen and, it, and Pam have a really good conversation. And um, I love how Michael's like, do you remember Holly? Like, this person who worked in this office for quite a while. Right. You know, at least six months, like, Pam would just forget. So blonde <laughs> hair, nice boobs. All right. Holly with the perfect boobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Pam, like, I real. this is a really good set of episodes for Pam. Yeah. Well, because, um, you know, kind of like when Michael leaves, the relationship between Pam and Michael is like this, um, like, dumb big brother, smart little sister kind of mentality, you know? Right. Where um, maybe stupid big stepbrother, so we could account for the creepiness also at Diwali when he tried to kiss Pam. But, um we get the art show episode and they have like this nice relationship and there's obviously like a, a mentorship, you know, between the two of them, um, both ways. Um, and then here too, similarly, you know, Pam is able to like be the, you know, she's like the Lisa Simpson to Michael's Bart. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't skateboard, but I don't know. Like Michael has this really weird thing with Jim and Pam. Like, well, we'll get to it in, in the 
in the next episode, but yeah, it's just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and then Creed has a $3 bill. Yeah. With W on the face. It'll W. Um, so that, and that's where we end part one. Right. Is there anything noteworthy here? I don't think so. Yeah. No. BJ Novak is credited, but doesn't appear in the episode. Right. And just because we missed it, uh, Lecture Circuit Part 1 and 2 is directed by Ken Quapis and written by Mindy Kaling. There it is. Boom. She actually writes three of the four episodes. Well, sort of. two, of, Three of the four episodes we do today. <laughs> That's right. Um, so do we want to rate it or let's just keep going? Uh, yeah, let's just rate them as one. Yeah. One and two. So part two opens up where we find that Angela has sold Andy's ring, which is a dick move. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never proposed to a girl who then cheated on me. So I don't know. Like, but if I had spent or had a ring that was worth seven grand, you bet your sweet ass I'm getting that back. Uh, I think there, I don't know if it's a law. It must be must be how I heard about it. But there's like, it applies to your engagement ring in a different way than it would apply to your wedding ring. So I think the engagement ring, because of like the social contract, it implies that, that you guys will get married. When the engagement is broken off, I think the proposer has a legal precedent to get that ring back, you know? From the proposee, as opposed to marriage, where presumably both parties get a ring or whatever, I guess, that you, there's no, you you, well, couldn't, also, you couldn't ask for the wedding ring back, you know? Well, it also depends, well, I mean, a lot of, well, it depends on the state, but a lot of states see it as joint property, so it would be a joint asset in the divorce. The rings would be, right? Like a wedding. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but she's like, he wouldn't have wanted it back. It's seven grand, woman. <laughs> Come on. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's okay. So it's a state law that dictates what happens to an engagement ring. Uh, courts generally treat the engagement ring as a gift from the donor, person who gave the ring, to the donee. To be considered a legal gift, three things must be present. The donor's intent to give the ring as a gift the donor's delivery of it to the donee and the donee's acceptance of the item. If the person to whom the ring was given can show all three elements, a court will consider the ring to be a gift. So that is how someone who got proposed to like Angela could right. uh, say, no, it was a gift. I get it. Which right. sounds pretty easy actually. But, Oh man, Grant, this is under the level, but you can only gift up to $10,000. I guess this is just something that the IRS really doesn't, get too picky on but technically if you gift somebody a ring that's worth more than 10 grand you should pay taxes on that ring as the gift mm. well that's crazy unless it's implied that it's joint property you know but right. but yeah i never really thought about that from a taxation <laughs> legal standpoint but still it's a bitch move by angela to sell the ring without at least talking to him yeah i mean you still work in the same fucking office be right. like you got to see it every day just leave it like you don't even have to say anything just when he leaves for like lunch just like 
you know, put it in his drawer and send him an email that, hey, it's in the drawer. Yeah, something, anything, anything other than selling it to buy a $7,000 cat. Man, are there are there seven thousand dollar cats? I mean, there's way too expensive everything, but a seven thousand dollar cat. Well, there are show cats and there are breeds. Um, seven thousand dollars sounds like a lot, but maybe that is the high end of it. But uh, I have to imagine, like you said, there's expensive everything. So yeah, this, I mean, yeah. so if this was like a a purebred cat from a line of royal cats in Scotland or some shit like that. Uh, let's see. Accord. Oh, God damn it. It's not giving me the information I want. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I know sh- dogs can get very expensive, but, yeah. uh. Well, I wonder too, if you also end up paying for the, uh, any medical care that the cat had prior to being adopted, you know, spaying, neutering vaccinations all that jazz okay well there is the savannah cat oh i've seen yeah uh, but those things look like wild animals it's definitely not this fluffy ass definitely thing not uh the price range is one to twenty thousand that's actually cheap, here, right? here the the persian is what princess lady looks like um you know, uh, it's it, they start at two to three thousand. So with the li- lineage that she had, yeah, I could maybe see see it being that expensive. But still, Jesus, I know, I, I know, Angel's crazy, but come on, woman. Because it was a cat that was related to a cat from Meet the Parents. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Great. Um. It's, and we also find out that she has her cats on nanny cam. Mm-hmm. And this this premiered in like 2010, so streaming that video had to be expensive as fuck. Yeah, I mean, because you're talking about like data transfer or like the mm-hmm. hosting service and all that. Hosting, choice. all of it. Yeah, I mean, what is this? 2009. Yeah, nine, ten, something like that. Because when did 2009. YouTube start? 2008. Uh, no, it was out before then. Because I know YouTube technically blew up after the Janet Jackson nipple Super Bowl. Uh, that was like 2005. Really? So maybe it was 2006 that like it launched. Uh, yeah, launched uh, 2000, January 14, 2005. So like streaming, live streaming video all the time. I mean, it was definitely a thing in 2009. It just wasn't cheap. Right. You know, it wasn't like you could just have like a Twitch stream going. Well, if the cat didn't cost the full seven thousand, then maybe some of her extra buku bucks went to, uh, you know, some security folks who installed this system in her house. How much you want to bet she got Andy to pay for it while they were engaged? Oh, I can see that. But I guess the thing about Angela is she doesn't like seem to be manipulative in that way. Like that, she's not really plotting, you know. I think that's why this ring thing is so jarring for everybody because it's like, it's like something that Angela wouldn't really do, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think we could say Andy is free of that financial responsibility for hosting the nanny cam servers. Well, no, I'm saying it is like he got like 
you like put in all put the it equipment all together, and right? stuff. Yeah. yeah, like she probably mentioned something about how, you know, she really wishes she could see her cats during the day. The ones she doesn't smuggle in, in the file cabinet. Yeah. Well, we never see where Andy lives, right? No, or Angela for that matter. Yeah, the closest we get is this episode where we get to see this weird cat room that she's got. Um, yeah, because we don't ever really know like who stays over at whose place, right? That's true. I mean, they probably. I don't. We could imagine they were living together, just because they weren't intimate. So if they weren't intimate, I would imagine Angela would really want him around. So maybe right. he comes over and for the since necking. She was. She was, you know, sleeping with Dwight the entire time. She wouldn't want him around so she could go over to Dwight's house or Dwight right. could come over. Yeah, because it definitely seemed like when Dwight and Angela were a thing, Angela was going over to Dwight's place more often because of the uh, business toothbrush and the, uh, yeah, the cherub figurine. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had her own in table and... Yeah. CPAP machine was over there. That's right. It's great. Um, well, so there's some funny stuff uh, that comes from this conversation about the cat where they start talking about um, maternity leave. Right. Um, and we find out that Meredith liked the maternity leave so much that that's why she had her second kid specifically that, to get off. This mythical second child we never see, know the name of. Right. Right. If it's a boy or a girl, nothing. She just mentions it a few times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. There is no name. That's weird. It's obviously so. Someone other than Spencer. Is that the son? Yeah. Name? Yeah. Jake. No. Jake. Jake. Jake is his son. Is her son's name? Why am I thinking Spencer? Doesn't matter. Oh, maybe that's the kid's <laughs> real name. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Shut up, Jacob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, okay. So there's this fun cat thing going on. Um, what, uh, what else happens at the office until we, before we get to this whole, oh, so there's more Kelly birthday stuff. Right. And Kelly's got this weird thing over her desk. It's like a dude with a turban and wings. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like an Indian God or something. I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't know their, uh, religion and mythos very well at all. Right. But it's really trippy looking. It doesn't seem like something she'd be into considering her, you know, limited knowledge on Diwali itself. Right. Right. But it could have been her gift. You never know, but still like, it's really bizarre looking. I, you know, I'm sure we talked about it before, but I think one of my favorite Kelly lines is like, Michael's listing off things of different religions and she's like, that's Buddhist. And he's like, are you sure? She's like, no. Or like, that's Hindu or something. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, I don't notice that poster, Jacob. I'm going to have to look that up. It's not a poster. It's like a, a figure that's like hanging. Oh, like it's like a, like, a, like a statuette kind of thing? Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I typed Kelly's name wrong. Kelly Kapoor Desk. Let's see. Um, so, right. So we're still kind of traversing the whole Kelly birthday thing. So that's it. What's interesting, I think, is that the Kelly stuff obviously takes place within a single day. Um, and the actual lecture circuit stuff takes place over a couple of days because of travel time and staying over and stuff. So it's not like they're timeline parallel, right? Right. Even though it's kind of shown that way. Right. 
But yeah, so Michael and Pam get to Nashua and they Michael figures out well one, Holly's gone on an HR retreat, which seems to happen a lot at Dunder yeah. Mifflin. Um uh, and two, that she has a boyfriend whose name is AJ. Right. And so he gets really depressed and Pam's trying to comfort him and he she's like, and everyone's gonna tell uh, Holly, how good of a job you did, and AJ will die, get murdered, and she'll move back to Scranton. Like, m- this happens a couple times where Mike gets really murdery when he's depressed. Yeah, well, I, I had asked you before is it possible that he's murdered people? And I think you said no, but I think it's possible. I mean, possible. <laughs> I just don't see Michael having the guts to actually do it because how. M- like just spineless he can be, but I could see him laying awake all night planning out someone's murder and just not doing it. Oh, sure. That's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, no, I guess they kind of resolve, uh, the Kelly thing is uh, Peter's out. I mean, they, they're pretty clever about how they solve it. Right. Right. They've got everybody there. Um, the balloons and decorations are terrible, and she notes that such. And then they show the cake, and it doesn't even have her name on it. Oh, uh, no, it does. It does it's now. spelled right. wrong. Right, right. But um, <laughs> uh, they have a chiclet on it, right? Or something, yeah. And it, it means two things. Because the theme of the party is either half an hour of television or a half hour uh, nap. No, hour. Is it an hour? Yeah. It's someone asked if he can be a half hour of each. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's an hour of television or an hour nap. And that turns Kelly around. She loves it. It's her favorite thing ever. <laughs> Best day ever. Um, <laughs> so what would you take? Um, it's a good point about the um, lack of television programming during the day. But I feel inclined to say I would still do that. There's no way I could sleep. One, they have her set up underneath the conference table. Right. Um, and two, I mean, that room's not soundproof. I'm hearing everybody click clacking out there. I no doubt someone's going to accidentally walk in forgetting I'm trying to sleep under the table. I mean, I suppose I could just chill and look at my cell phone for an hour. I don't know right. how strict well, the sleeping is. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if it was today and it was quote unquote TV, you could just like binge Netflix for an hour. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, if it's that kind of TV. I mean, but we know what kind of TV they have from the Martin Nash episode. Which right. Is a, I mean, a, a barely in focus uh, square television. I mean, if, if, if I could actually have somewhere soft, I would sleep. I mean, I would totally sleep. Right. And we don't know about the secret cubby hole that is in the warehouse for warehouse naps yet. Right. <laughs> Uh, so back with the Angela thing, like we hear this really crazy noise and we find out that, so I don't remember the cat's name is, is screwing Mr. Uh, Princess lady. Ash. Ash, Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So you hear like an angry cat sound and, uh, Angela runs over and she sees, uh, Mr. Ash is plowing princess lady. Um, and it, it's graphic and she says they're good cats and Angela sprints out of the office and uh, 
leaves the screen on for everybody to watch this terrible animal pornography and play in front of them. And everyone seems to be really enjoying it. Like Kevin is there, Creed's there, just like bobbing his head, like, yeah, cat on cat porn. It's crazy and it's weird. <laughs> um, Creed is the best kind of crazy. I love it. But then, no. but then since Angela accidentally left it open, we see her licking the cat. Yeah, it looked like Princess Lady, that the Persian, right? The fluffy one. Right. Um, and she's talking to the other cats, making vague human cat sounds. <laughs> it's also creepy. So she's sitting there, she's holding the cat, and she thinks she's talking to the cats. And it's mostly Oscar and Kevin who know this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they're, they're watching the whole thing unfold, and it's... Well, the thing, though, is like she was just ahead of her time because this company actually came out with the Lick Your Cat pet brush. Yeah, it's like a, a brush that you put in your mouth mm-hmm. and you hold the handle and then it, a big plastic tongue with like a spiky rivets sticks out. Yeah. And, and you kind of do this head motion to lick your cat. Uh, I have cats. I'm a cat guy. I would not buy this product. <laughs> um, and obviously, it's not extreme enough for Angela. It's got to be tongue. None of this plastic stuff. Yeah. We, I prefer dogs. I have no problem with cats, except I have terrible allergies. Sure. But I mean, if I could have a cat, I would, as yeah. long as it wouldn't eat my guinea pigs. But All right. That's not a, you know, that's a fair trade. <laughs> uh, I'll see what I could send over. And so going back, you know, Michael, he loses it. He starts going after AJ when he's presenting, like while he's presenting. He's like, "Does does she ever talk about me?" And like, apparently, he's never heard of Michael. Yeah, that's a weird line. I think yeah. in a context where we, if we didn't know that Michael was going through some emotional stuff, it would sound like some random dude making a "Does your girlfriend think about me?" joke. You know, right? <laughs> like, who yeah. knows what AJ was thinking about a comment like that. And so he like cuts off a sleeve of her sweater, which right. is super crazy. Yeah. And then finds this dear Michael letter on her desktop, com- on the computer, on her computer's desktop. Right. So she's on an HR retreat, but doesn't lock or shut down her computer. Like, what kind of person is this? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um Yeah, because at my office, we log off at the end of the day, but we don't turn off so that our... IT firm or whatever can remote access in, I suppose, while we're away to do whatever they do. But we have to log off because of privacy. Right. Yeah, and you feel like she would know that, right? That's probably part of the HR rules. Like she probably has to help send that kind of information around to get people to sign to understand. Like those are the. uh, It was in the binder, guys. Come on. Exactly. Come on, Holly. Um, and this is just another um, instance of Michael continuing to ruin Holly's things, right? Takes yeah. her out, like throws out her, you know, rips up her uh, Billy Joel tickets, takes her out to lunch and th- throws out her original lunch and then her leftovers that she paid for. Um, he cuts her sweater in this instance. Later on, we find out he'll throw a toy of hers away in the garbage. Um, he's just always breaking her shit. <laughs> yeah. And it was counting crow tickets, not count. Oh, counting crow. Doesn't matter why I thought Billy Joel Jacob. Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So then um, Michael reveals this to Pam that he's stolen this 
word doc off her desktop, her unprotected de- desktop, and she wants to read it, right? Right. And uh, she's like, you can't. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah. She's like totally getting through her morals. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm not in love. Like, she looks at the camera and is like, what? I'm not in love with her. And, you know, it's 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 juicy stuff, you know? I would want to read it. Um, of course. So she... But still, I just yeah. I think it's funny. It's like, you can't read it. That's an invasion of privacy. But I can read it. That's right. Um, so they grab a laptop from the car and she reads it and she tells Michael that it's not over. Um, she sells feelings for him. I'm hoping that Pam looked at the date this was last saved or something like that. So it's not to say that this is like an, uh, a, you know, a war document she created months ago or something. Right. Right. Yeah. That would, that would be very good. Yeah. Uh, uh but you also, Right. And I kind of wonder what it was in the letter that was like, that made her think that Holly still had feelings for Michael. Yeah, I feel like uh, if she listed reasons as to why they couldn't be together, and Pam felt those reasons were flimsy, like the distance thing or whatever, and maybe that's what made her feel that way. Because not for nothing, but they don't get together again until Holly moves back. That's what, a year from now, at least? At least in Showtime? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Holly, like, especially on this rewatch, the the more I see of Holly, the less I like her. I think she's kind of a terrible person. (laughs) Uh, Why terrible person? Well, because, like, she... She kind of strings Michael along, and then... Uh, when she does come back, she doesn't break up with AJ. I mean, Grant, there could be stuff in there about how maybe she was always supposed to go back to Nashua. Right. Uh, I don't know. She just seems very self-absorbed. Like, she doesn't think about how it's going to affect other people. It's just like, oh, this is how I'm feeling, so I do it. Um, those are some words. I don't know if I feel that way. <laughs> but... um. I mean, I, I very much agree with uh, Aaron's talking head down the road when Holly comes back. She's like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, I mean, she, the you know, Holly is a pretty enough person, right? But Michael and her obviously connect on like a really like mental level in a way that he's never seen eye to eye with another person before, you know? Right. I mean, aside from his like extreme emotions, Holly pretty much understands most of Michael's things right 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 Um, actually specifically in that episode where they end up together um they use holly as like a hound dog to track michael down as he's lost somewhere in pennsylvania right right uh so uh yeah so they see eye to eye so that's what it is and that's why Aaron doesn't get it because she's not in love with holly Aaron, how would you ever know (laughs) You, you end up with plop for god's sakes Plop's way better than Andy. Come on. No, get out of here. Yes. Jacob, get out of here. This show is over. It's much more age this show's appropriate. Over. <laughs> but we did just finish the episode, so. So there you go. Uh, well, uh, so Ke- Kelly does pick the nap, I will say. Right. Um, they don't reveal to Angela that they watched her do it, but she spits up cat fur. Uh, Oscar's like, I'll never be able to unsee it or something like that yeah. in a talking head. I'm like, oh. Because yeah. it's like the psychological problems for someone <laughs> to have to do that. Yeah. 
She yeah. should go into her own pocket and pay for their copay for a therapist. Yeah. Um. <laughs> sorry, I'm just reading this trivia here. It says, despite numerous claims to have superior strength and health, Dwight's lung capacity seems to be severely below average as he appears unable to inflate a balloon. <laughs> That's some office trivia for you. Yeah. And I love he's there there's a line in there where he's like, yeah, well, if you're trying to hurt my feelings, you succeed. <laughs> yeah. Luckily my feelings regenerate at twice the rate. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, sir. So what do you give this uh string of episodes here? Uh, I'm gonna give it like a see now that I we're talking about it. I'm kind of like wanting to lower my original idea again. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. Uh, you can get a kid for that. Because Creed tells Angela that she can get a kid for $7,000. Yeah. Uh, that he could get her a kid for that. Right. Because he's the one with the connections. Um, yeah. You know what? I gave it a three out of five Nashua Chainsaw Massacres. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an important episode because it kind of reminds the audience that Holly is still a thing and that there's foreshadowing uh, that it's very much in play. Right, and it's one reason why – it's it's another reason why Michael is so excited that she's coming back when when she does come back. That's right, because he knows that, like, it's possible that it could be a thing with them. Right. Uh. Okay, so so there you go. Yeah, it's long. I mean, did it need to be that long? The Karen stuff is important because it informs Michael to behave the way he does to see Holly. But that's you know that's pretty much all he does that last episode. So it's like right, and it's nice that they kind of wrap up the Karen thread. They're like, oh, she's happy. She's got right. a husband, so, a kid. You know, yeah. She's over being mad because she's happy, that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so next up, we've got Blood Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was written by Brent Forrester and directed by Randall Einhorn. Um, right so, uh, cold open. Oh, okay, yes. I did this. Uh, so I was watching this episode, right? And the cold open just happened. And then my brother walks in through the front door. And he goes, hey, brother. And I go, hey. And then <laughs> my girlfriend does it. And his girlfriend's with him. But my brother watches The Office, so he got it. So he returns back the hey. And now my brother's girlfriend's just standing there looking, like, extremely confused. She's like, I don't understand what you people are doing. Uh, but right. this dude shows up to The Office to sell, like, an advanced phone systems that could, like, um, basically do her job as a secretary. Oh, yeah. Her job at this point is obsolete besides greeting people. Right. Which you do need someone in the front of the office to take those phone calls, you know, the, the general phone calls, be a gatekeeper, have someone there when someone walks in, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the thing, too, is, like, that Kelly could do that as customer service, but Pam handles like the internal office phone calls and stuff like that. Like Kelly's not talking to suppliers, for example, you know? Right. But it's also one of those things where if it's a really small problem, I'm sure Pam can just fix it instead of having to ship it back, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm, I don't know your office, probably you work for fancy companies also, but you know, it's like one of those things where you call in and it says dial X for the sales department, dial Y for, you know, customer support or whatever. And I've then never, enter the extension you want. 
<laughs> maybe I should maybe I should call my our corporate number and see oh, what that's happens. fair. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. I actually am the voice of ours. It's oh, terrible. Yeah, fancy, so fancy. I have to get so, in and record it. So call in to J Ray's company. <laughs> to my job. Yeah. If you you know, if you've caught up with Great Scott, Dangerous to Go Alone, and you want to hear more of my voice, just call my job and you'll hear me saying, Thank you for calling Bubble Ball. ball. <laughs> it's terrible. Um so, extension five five five. Yeah. <laughs> So Jim sees what's happening, and he knows Pam's kind of worried about it, and presumably Pam's been pushing this guy off for a while, right? Right. And so he he acts as Michael. Yeah. And what I love is that he gets it just perfect. Like, he's acting just like Michael would. And we see this this innate ability uh, in season two when he, um, oh, he gives a reference for Dwight during the Uh, Christmas episode. Yeah. Apparently, John Krasinski is like pretty good at impressions, at least on the set, because um, he would do impressions of just people who work there. That's where the Stanley impression came from, because he would do that too. And then similarly, um, in season three, before Jim goes on the job interview, uh-huh. uh, Kevin's asking him which who's hotter, right? Right. So apparently the impression that so Jim's doing this thing where he's all like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what else or whatever. Apparently that's Greg Daniels. Nice. Because in like the writers room when they were all pitching ideas or whatever, that's what Greg Daniels would do. So Jim decided to, or John rather, decided to do that as Jim on the episode. Right. So, uh, you know, he's very good at impressions, I suppose. <laughs> um, and it's, <laughs> and it's, it's fun probably to be Michael. And it's funny, too, because presumably this guy doesn't know Michael. Jim could have gone up there acting like anybody. He could have been himself, just say he's Michael Scott, you know? Right. Yeah. But um, so he's talking to the guy, but then Michael comes out of his office to kind of see what's going on, who the guy is or whatever. And instead of Jim trying to push Michael away or something, he, for whatever reason, he decides to do a Fonzie. So he just leans back and gives him the two thumbs and he goes, hey, and Pam joins in and Michael loves it and he does it. The guy's confused and then Dwight comes out of nowhere and he gives him one and the guy ends up leaving. And uh, Jim saves Pam's job, but now Michael is off to do it to someone else, he said. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, he he just knows how to play Michael so perfect. It's probably one reason why he still has a job. Yeah, that's fair too, yeah. Um, so it's Valentine's Day. Um, every, well, a lot of the office is actually kind of mopey this particular Valentine's Day. There's a lot of single people in the office. Michael, Kevin, Kelly, Angela, Oscar. Um, none of them are in a relationship, so they're very sad this day. Right. Like everyone is single, quote unquote, at least according to Michael, so... Right. Um, Which means that I guess uh, Oscar and Gil officially broke up. I don't think we like hear that. Right. Yeah. I I was wondering about that too, because I I don't remember anyone saying or him saying that they had broken up. Right. Right. Um, So Michael notices though, that um, Pam has a a small little basket of flowers from Jim on the desk. Mm -hmm. He's like, Oh, that's really nice. And he puts them on the floor. He's like, let's just put them here. Right, uh, right. Yeah. And uh, 
so it sets up this separation of the office of the happy people and the sad people. Which <sighs> apparently the only happy people is Phyllis, Jim, and Pam. That's right. Uh, In so- the perfect relationship, and Michael and like Michael seems to start to say something about being a part of their relationship, and <laughs> Pam just jumps is like, "You cannot be a part of our relationship." Right. Right. Um, it's so like, it's a question that's come up before, obviously, right? And like, how does Michael want to be involved in this relationship? You know, he just wants to hang out with them on Friday nights, maybe go out to some, you know, uh, double dates minus his own date, and then you know, maybe later that night he'll just sit in the corner of the room while they do whatever it is that they do. Well, I wasn't <laughs> gonna go there, but yeah, that, yeah that, it seems that's what like it is. he yeah. really wants. It seems like he really wants to, you know, screw Pam. Like, which I, I can't can't blame him there, but still, like, it seems like this really unhealthy obsession with Pam. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> um, no, hey, I man, think... you open those floodgates. It's 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 on now. Well, I think he pre. It's one of those things where Michael has this weird thing where he like likes to live through other people or experiences, you know. Right, so he wants like relation relationship vicariously or something. Right, so that's what I think it is. It's not so much that he really wants to watch them bang or even participate in the banging, uh, but you know, it's like he knows they're happy and he knows he wants to be happy. So if he could be like a father figure in their relationship and stuff, and, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's probably what it is. But not today. Today he's not happy. Right, but he wants them to hide their shame. <laughs> right. Uh, so Pam. And- yeah. You know, everyone is really hurting, and right. especially Michael, because of his great capacity of emotion. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so Jim, Pam, Phyllis, and Bob Vance go out on a couple's dinner while the rest of the office decide to have a Lonely Hearts party. Right. And they were going to have a regular Valentine's Day party, uh, but they just destroy all of the decorations and make it a sad party instead where singles in the office park kind of come. Right. Uh, now, the inception of this particular event, though, is because Michael has a chance meeting with a woman during the blood, blood drive. That's right, which is just outside the office door in a fancy truck where they mm-hmm. give away cookies and they use Band-Aids. Right. Uh, I don't know the actress's name, but she plays one of the main characters in The League, which oh, is a hilarious FX. At least it was FX. It might be on FXX or whatever now, but still, she was in that. She's great. Uh, but man, I don't, I don't Catherine like give him. Asselton? Asselton? I don't know. Okay. Well, she's uh, credited as the glove woman. So. All right. Yeah. So I, uh, I used to work for the Red Cross and I still refuse to give blood. There you go. It makes me like, it makes me sick. Like to give blood. Like I get, like I would be Michael. I would just pass out. Even it- if I ate and everything, like, like it just does not agree with me to take blood. Is it a and, needle thing? No, no, it's not a needle thing. It's just um, like even if I like go give blood, like uh, have blood taken for like tests at the doctor, right? Uh, like I don't, it, I, I, like I won't get sick, but I won't feel well for the rest of the day. It's just I one see. of those things. Okay, but it is, it is very common for people to get sick. Yeah. After giving blood. Like I've seen it because I used to have to go out on these blood drives all the time. So like it's probably like one in 10 people, if not more than that, get sick after they give blood. Oh, okay. So it's it's a very common thing if, if you get sick and when you give blood. 
Good to know. Uh, Good to know. <laughs> yeah, so Michael walks on and meets this woman who's also giving blood at the moment. And they have some... Uh, some good conversations, and Michael's quick to fall in love with people, so he falls in love with this woman here. Easy. Well, she was really, I mean, she was really nice, and they were joking. Like, like all you guys do is laugh at Michael's jokes, and you're in, pretty much. That's right, because that's what happens with date Mike, right? On um, that weird right. double date at that bar. Um, yeah, so um, they give blood, and they have some jokes, but then when Michael's done... And it's works. He seems to be done first, even though she's already sitting down, going or whatever. That's a, that's a, here's another fun fact. Okay. The blood people bleed at different rates. Oh, so it's something like uh, the fastest they've ever pulled a pine out of somebody is like three or four minutes, and the slowest is like twelve. So uh, yeah, that's. For him to be done first is not a big deal. There's oh. actually a very wide range for I mean, it's, you know, heart strength, height, because, you know, heart's got to push the blood farther, farther right. you know. Yeah, there's all sorts of factors. And just some people, yeah, some people are fast bleeders. Some people are slow bleeders. Huh. Well, write that down in the uh, the Jacob Wiki, please. That's, <laughs> he's very knowledgeable about blood dripping speeds. Um, so he tries to get up but he passes out because he uh, hasn't eaten in like four days yeah which is great Um, (laughs) and um, by the time he comes to that woman is gone and presumably left a glove now I don't know why she would have left a glove maybe it was in her pocket and fell out yeah I mean I guess my point could be anybody's glove though like any woman's glove. I Could suppose. have been anybody's glove, yes. Right. But he assumes it is hers. There is right. no like tag. Right. Or right, he right. would have known where to find her. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of like his goal to find out um So since we've kind of seen around under Mifflin that's at this point, we know there's not a lot around there in terms of business. Right. So you would assume this woman is from the office park, right? Yeah. Well, the party is just for the, the office park itself, which is more than just this building, right? Presumably buildings in the area. Right. So, I mean, it wouldn't have been that hard for him to just be like, hey, do you know, hit a couple of businesses around there be like, hey, so it's a lost glove with the blood drive. I'm trying to return it to her. It seems weird, but that's more active, I guess. And that also is kind of creepy. So I don't know. I mean, that's what the prince did in Cinderella, which is basically what this story is, right? Prince well, yeah, but he was also him. the prince. He could order. <laughs> Jacob, Michael Scott is the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin Paper. He's okay. one of the five families. Base, yeah, I mean, he could go around knocking on anybody's door. He he initiated Prima Nocta on Phyllis's wedding day, all right? He is, this guy is a, is a king among kings. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so this Lonely Hearts party basically is a way for Michael to invite a bunch of single people, hoping that this woman would walk through the door. Right. Reasons why she doesn't walk through the door later could include that this is not her glove. <laughs> um, she didn't, she didn't want to go. She didn't want to go, or she's possibly in a relationship. Right. I mean, we didn't, we don't, yeah, we don't know if she was in a relationship. 
And we don't know if she found Michael to be uh, somebody that she would want to spend time with outside of giving blood anyway. She does say you're cute, but that is not a, uh, it's not an invitation. Well, but not, I don't think she was referring to cute as in looks. It was more of a, you're cute, you're nice kind of. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, because they weren't looking at each other at the time and he's doing his bag of blood bit. Real funny, right. Mike. Real funny. Um, Think about uh, a hat full of soup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we go to lunch at this fancy place. Right. And um, our couples are regaling of fun conversations and uh, moments together on this Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. We find out that um, Bob's bold very highly once. A 280. And very lowly ones. Which yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, that was the joke though. He, under he, a seventy, yes. yeah, some type of abysmal score. Now I don't know what I average. It's probably a seventy, so <laughs> I don't see what's so funny about it. Uh, I yes, my my personal best is a two sixty four. Right, and I used to be like a one ninety two average, so I used to be pretty decent at. It. Okay. But you, every once in a while, you'll have one of those games where you just blow up. You're just like split, split. Like every frame's a split. You're like, well, screw it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a bad game. I imagine if you're good at bowling, it's different. But since I'm not good at bowling, yeah, you go and sometimes you're on and sometimes you're not. And you you bowl granny style, or you'll try to be like a professional, or you get it in someone's lane by mistake. And uh, I don't know. I haven't found a way that works consistently yet. Um, but they're having a good time um, right but, but then the Phyllis and Bob have to go to the bathroom you know they're old they can't hold it in as long as these young people can so the uh, young whippersnappers that's right <laughs> so they go to the restroom but they've been gone a long time right presumably one of them died <laughs> <laughs> no uh, they're gone for a while so Jim and Pam are trying to figure out like what to do because they're hungry they wanted to go out to lunch and What's the etiquette on food consumption while people are in the bathroom? Yeah. I mean, part of it's how long have they been gone? Right. You know, like, I mean, I would definitely eat a little bit at that point. But, I mean, we know it. Like, we know from later in the episode that they're banging in the handicap room. Yes, they are. Which, you know, that's probably at least 10, 15 minutes that they're gone. That's just rude. I mean... You're out on a double date. Don't fuck in the bathroom. That's just mean. That's rude to the other couple. Wait till you get home. It's Valentine's Day, Jacob. Come on. Still. <laughs> okay, now. Okay, so we know that they're banging. That's fine. Right. But w- because you put out a time frame, 10 to 15 minutes, and that can be perceived as rude. Is it rude because of what they're doing? Or is that too long? It's just too long. Yeah. I mean, you're out there. You're supposed to be in, you know, enjoying the company of others. It's rude to just disappear for that long. Now, let me ask you another question. You are hit with an extreme need to BM. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, so-, so you go because obviously you're not going at the table. That too is rude. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, so, but you go. How? But you're with like you. I mean, you got to give like a signal to Pam to let everyone to let her know that it's okay to keep the conversation moving, right? Okay, so there, so there should be a uh, some type of hint or signal 
when you leave that you may take some time, but for people not to be alarmed, right? Right. Or now, just, you know, they got, they had, I mean, the texting was a thing by now. I mean, well, that you could just be, be my, like, yeah. hey, this is going to take a while. Go ahead and start eating. Well, that's my follow up question. You're sitting on the toilet now. It's been 10 minutes. Do you send them a text or at least Pam? Because I guess we're assuming Jim's the one taking a deuce. Apparently, Pam doesn't poop, Jacob. Um, so, so Jim's sitting on the toilet there. He pauses his uh, brick breaker or snake game on his old flip phone. And he goes, hey, listen, it's taking a little bit longer than I thought. Just uh, if the food's there, you could eat. He should probably do that at 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, in general, <laughs> within the first minute or two, you, you know if you're going to be there a while. <laughs> right, right. Okay. All right. Listen, I think this is important stuff to talk about. All right. I know that's not what the point of this show is, but since we're talking about restaurant couples etiquette, I'm just trying to figure out the whole poop in situation. So good to know. But Let them or, know when you- I mean, come on. I mean, it, you know, you're going in there to do that. <laughs> it's a big question mark. So you just like, hey, honey, it's just if the food shows up, go ahead. Right. Now, this is a thing that makes a lot more sense when you're in a relationship for a little bit longer. What if this is like your second date? Well, like you're... Uh, like you're not at a level maybe where you want to talk about your defecation habits with your you know, the, your, your partner there. So... Uh, unless, uh, you br- unless you bring that out early, Jacob. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you, how you won your wife over. I don't know if it was some <laughs> early pooping habits that you revealed, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, then you just, but if you excuse yourself by yourself and you're gone for a while, everyone just kind of assumes it. I mean, it is kind of weird that they're gone together for that long. Right, 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 right. Right, because then I think, like, if only Phyllis was gone, you'd ask Bob. Right, he's like, right, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. So, they're boning, doing it hardcore in the handicap stall. Um, actually, the whole bathroom, the whole handicap bathroom, is locked and closed off for their uh, their Valentine's Day love making. Yeah, that's why I'm always scared, like, cause you know, cause you always see that like family bathroom, right? At places like I'm always scared to like go in there if I have to, you know, cause there are times where you just have you you know you have to, <laughs> and you're worried about seeing Bob Vance and Phyllis Lap and Vance banging on on the or changing station. Or something, you know, other other fluids or things that shouldn't be in a public in bathroom. Any bathroom, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you you if you're going to the bathroom in public, that's you're always accepting a risk. It's why your parents try to instill in you go before you leave. Well, right, and they don't want to stop. So, so okay, so they're doing it. They go back to their table and. By the time Bob and Phyllis come out, their hair is all ravaged and crazy, and uh, they're, they're all flush. Yeah, and Phyllis yeah. is short of breath. And yeah, they're thirsty and they're hungry, and uh, <laughs> too too preoccupied like, to realize that they've been eating Bob's French fries. So, right, and, and part of Phyllis's steak is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they were preoccupied, but uh, that happens, and that's great. I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Right. It's, so back at <laughs> back at the at the office park, the party has started. These two women walk in. 
um, a redhead and a blonde. And Dwight obviously goes after the short, well, shortish blonde woman. Right. Because Dwight definitely has a type. That's right. But he, like, I don't, Dwight, Dwight with women in this show is so bizarre. Either he's, either they're, they're like blowing and going from the word, you know, go, or he's just super fucking awkward. And like, I don't, like, he's such a weird dichotomy when it comes to women. Like, you know, he's immediately making out with the Jersey State girl, but like this girl, he's just like, even before he realizes that he can sell her paper, he's all like, oh, I can untie any knot. Da, 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 da. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't believe everything you hear. Right, right, right. Um, did you say blow and go? Is that a phrase? <laughs> Blowing and going, yeah. Okay, all right. Because, it must, it might be a southern thing. Because he's on, mm-hmm. right? So he's, yeah, he's, he's Johnny and Bravo go. in his way in, and then the chicks yeah. are doing yeah. what they do, and then he's going. Okay, got it. Dwight is a blown goer. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. It is weird. It's not really consistent. And although I guess actually there is a bit of a consistent because he always acts the same. It's it's the oddities in the women, right? Right. Because he's not really acting too different to this woman as he did to the Jersey State girl, who he was very dismissive of. And maybe what it is is those those individuals have like a thing where. You know, they kind of like the chase or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's a tricky so, thing. <laughs> according hear. to TalkLikeAtexan.com, blowing uh-huh. and going is an old-fashioned East Texas expression. So, uh, blowing and going means dashing around all busy, busy without stopping to take a breath. So, it's just like you hit, you hit, the, you know, hit the ground running. It's, it's that kind of expression. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I always forget that most, like, I will all say, ex- give expressions that just no one will ever heard of. No, uh, listen, I appreciate it. I love to learn more about this <laughs> wonderful country we live in. Um, <laughs> that's, that's another a, thing to add to the wiki. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I uh, when I was in high school or college, I worked with a guy who was from Iowa, and he used to call soda pop all the time, and that, like, blew my brain. He was like, uh, what kind of pop do you want? I was like, Ben, you shut the hell up. You in say Oklahoma, soda, you don't offer me one at all. In Oklahoma, it's pop. In Texas, it's Coke. Everything's a Coke. It's what terrible. kind of Coke would you like? Terrible. Terrible. The correct name is carbonated beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, these two women show up and uh, Dwight and Kevin kind of split up and they, they go for who they like. And Dwight's trying to woo this blonde woman. Uh, eventually, that devolves into him trying to sell her paper because she prints. She like works for a company that prints something. I forget what they print. Textbooks or something like that. Yeah, I think something with like a lot of yeah. paper. Yeah. So uh, his salesman brain turns on. And he's like, I gotta sell this. Well, he realizes dreams. it. Like he gets like his O face. He's like, oh, yeah, the white whale. <laughs> yeah. Um, and no one's ever said too that she is in a position to buy paper. She just works for this company that does this thing. So right. Uh, the other woman, Lynn, uh, who will show up again later, kind of ends up pairing off with Kevin. And Kevin, as um, he like blows it like three times instantly, right? Right, but it's uh, it's really cute. Like I really like Kevin here. Like he's not. 
Oh, uh, he's he's not like um, like skeezy or anything. Like he's honestly kind of into this girl. He doesn't know what to do, and he right. I like it. I like he, it's it's like that cute sort of just like not knowing what to do. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, because it, it's weird because we know Kevin is like a bit of a pervert. Like right. Pam, Pam wears glasses one day. And he's like, "Can you say these are due back on Thursday?" Right. And, uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, so yeah, it is nice to see him be like genuinely into this woman. Um, Michael's trying to be the Cupid for all these situations, and uh, yes, you know, uh, shooting Cupid Sparrow. I know. Which I, I feel like I didn't uh-huh. absorb that the first time I watched it, but it was like the second or third time. I'm like. Because he like starts singing it, right? He's like, "You got hit with Cupid Sparrow." Like he just does not get it at all. Um, he tries to pair off Meredith with some poor Asian guy. Yes, because apparently Tool and Die is a lot like getting a total hysterectomy. That's right. Um, doesn't seem to work out uh, for any of them except for Kevin. Uh, he's the only right. one who uh, walks away kind of happy at the end of that. But this woman never shows up with the glove, right? Right. Um, and he's kind of sad, and everybody uh, is picking up on that, though. So they're stepping up, and they're trying to make him feel better. They give him right. some cake. They offer to the wait with him. Oh, and that cake look, cake looks so good. It was like, like I think it was like a red velvet. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, give me some red velvet, which I can't <laughs> eat because I'm allergic to chocolate. <sighs> Add it to the Jacob Wiki, guys. <laughs> But it was a really good scene where they're like, they, where they stay with Michael and then, you know, he's going to stay longer. And then Oscar's like, no, we'll all lead, leave together. Right. You know, and I thought that was really, really good. Yeah. That good was scene. a nice moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's about the end of. Yeah. There, there, there's a closing bit where Stanley and Phyllis are trying to scam cookies. Yeah, and they, uh, the only reason they get foiled is because they didn't know what the correct bandage was. Right. They do, yeah, they do like the masking tape and cotton ball, but it was band-aids. So. And you see Creed stealing a blood bag. Oh, God, it's so gross. Yeah, he's just got a whole bag of blood with like all the, the cabling and stuff sticking out of his pocket. Yeah, that would uh, that would cause like a lockdown if that were to happen. Yeah. Right, like once they started like going through their inventory and realized that the paperwork didn't match with the blood contents, right? Right, and yeah, there's. I mean, I I don't want to get this number wrong, but there was like eight scans of the blood bag, I think, or ten scans of the blood bag during one person's blood blood drive. Yeah. Like so, yeah, I mean, it's it's human fluids. It's highly highly regulated. Yeah, yeah, that is reasonable. Um, so what would you give this episode then? Uh, you know, this is a good one. I wasn't as good as I remembered. Like I like it, but it wasn't as funny as I thought it was. Uh, so I gave this a 2.75 out of five lopsided bodies. (laughs) All right. 2.75. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I liked it a little bit better. Um, similarly, not a lot happens, but it is kind of, a more fun nonsense episode to watch. So I gave it a three out of five um, cold meals. 
<laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, wasn't bad. Um, some funny bits, and then uh, it's just always funny when Phyllis is actually being the easy rider that she once was. Right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. <laughs> okay. All right. Lastly, for today, we have Golden Ticket, uh, written by Mindy Kaling and directed by Randall Einhorn. It's like a not very, not a very diverse episode when it comes to writer directors. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, there. The cold open here is some jokes, right? Yep. Michael's uh, kind of going off and he's saying some offensive jokes and then... Um, well, no, he's he's trying to get... He wants to do a knock-knock joke. Right. But Pam's on the phone. Yeah. Oh, and, right, right. Yeah. And no one wants to like... Yeah. Right. She 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 hangs up the phone because he's like messing with her. He's like, Michael, that sounds... This makes us sound really unprofessional. He's like, oh, they'll never know it's me. Right. <laughs> um, so... Uh, then we start with this uh, a great knock knock joke, a very iconic office knock knock joke, and um, it's the KGB. Mm-hmm. Knock knock, who's there? KGB, KGB, Dwight slaps him. Yeah. The KGB will wait for no one. Um, and <laughs> Michael is so mad. No, 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 no. That, that's Jim's. It's a uh, no. KGB will ask the questions. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, Michael is so mad, and. Uh, Jim's like loving it. Um, right, so he gets in, he he does it to Dwight, and he slaps Dwight. It's like the KGB will wait for no one, and it's a meme you see a lot or a GIF. It's just D- Dwight hand on his cheek, looking at the camera, going, "It's true." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's like this perfect deadpan delivery. He, like he's not even mad. He's like, "Well, he's got a point." The KGB would wait for no one. Right. It's like a joke with no punchline because it's too real for Dwight. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we um, we are treated to Michael in a huge purple suit with a big old top hat, dancing around like a fool, um, putting golden certificates in different pallets of paper um, right. in the warehouse. And he's doing a Willy Wonka shtick. Right, which is uh, from the, which I assume anyway, in is from the 1971 Gene Wilder classic. Right. Uh, which I actually just bought on Blu-ray. So I'm kind of curious to see how that... It was like three bucks at Target. I'm like, oh, you're coming home with me. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too grainy. I think that was a complaint with the uh, Ghostbuster Blu-rays. Is like some of those older flicks get uh, grainy. Anyways, <laughs> Michael's probably watching on VHS. He's not very tech savvy. <laughs> well, yeah, but... I, mean, I don't know. I, I have the Ghostbuster Blu-ray. I thought it was a pretty decent. The special effects here really wonky, but the rest of the film is pretty good. Right. That's just because it's dated, though, right? Right, right. And some of those, how they did the old special effects were really weird because a lot of times they would actually layer film on top of each other. Right, right, right. Then scan it. Uh, so, yeah, like some of the Star Trek The Next Generation special effects were nine different layers of film that they had to scan. That's why like the Blu-ray conversion was really difficult. Stuff like that. So there it is. Thanks for joining us this week, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was my fault. I did it. Okay. Uh, 
So, so each golden ticket has a 10% coupon that is presumably going to different customers. These customers right. will open up their, you know, their goods and find this coupon and it's just supposed to kind of generate goodwill mm-hmm. amongst their customers. Right. Um, Michael's being super annoying about it. He's yelling about jelly beans and how they're extraordinary. He's, uh, you know, dancing around like a fool and being annoying to people. And the first customer receives their discount. And it's Jim's customer. Right. And we find out it is Blue Cross of Pennsylvania. Which Which is one of huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a big company in and of itself. But one of Dunder Mifflin's largest customers as like a whole. Like in the level of like corporate cares about this particular customer. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's got to be... 20,000 employees kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Michael finds out and goes to Oscar and he's like, well, what's 10% out of like, you know, their annual order. And it's right. Uh, and yeah. That's what's crazy about this is it what, like you would figure it would have been just like a one time, like one order. Right. But he did it for the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the episode aired in March, um, so I'm trying to figure out how that would make sense. I mean, I guess moving forward, ten percent well, from the every way order he, um, the way it was phrased was it, it sounded like it was um, a year, like a, like twelve months of discounts. Right. No. Right. 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 But I mean, like, so does that mean every time they place an order, it's ten percent off? That's like the easiest right. way to do right. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's right. And so instead of just, you know, here's 10% off your next order, it's here's 10% off for a year. Right. Yeah. So that's that's bonkers. And uh, Oscar said it's going to hurt. It's not going to be great. Right. And so just, yeah. in 2012, they had 19,500 employees. Yeah. So you mean, so probably like 17,000 employees, something yeah. like that. Um, just then Jim announces that they found five of these golden tickets, which is all five of the golden tickets Michael had. Right. Uh, meaning that this customer gets 50% off because there's no fine print that says only one coupon per customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's terrible. It's going to be the worst thing ever. So Michael runs downstairs to start yelling at Daryl. For idiot, not, idiot, yeah. idiot. Start, start over. over, yeah. Um, and he, Michael, is a hundred percent sure he put it in different shipments. He knows, right? Because they were not next to each other. Daryl says, "Well, you know, they send out what is it? Like a couple pallets to Blue Cross every week. It's like, yeah, like three or four pallets." Yeah. Um, so if Michael is just opening up random boxes on a single pallet, thinking they're going to different things. One, he has a terrible misunderstanding of how shipment works in freight. Yes. Um, yes, he does. Yeah. And then two, yeah, obviously just shows more of his tenuous grasp of his company's own business model, you know? Right. He, he's got no idea. Yeah. He just goes down, puts huge discounts in these orders and walks away, not knowing anything bad could possibly happen. <laughs> but um, Right. And another thing is, like, I know... I, 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 I get it. He wanted to do the whole find finding it thing. Right. But wouldn't it be better to like do it in person? 
like give them a certificate for 10%. Like, hey, you know, we let you do the whole get up in the Willy Wonka fact, you know, Willy Wonka thing. Knowing Michael, he would hire some short people or kids to paint themselves orange and be oopa loopas. Right, right. Um, yeah, he'd want YouTube to come down. and uh, Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that what you're saying is what, that is good marketing. <laughs> that That is what should have happened. But yeah. it is not a golden ticket idea. No, it is not. Um, so this is terrible. And uh, David Wallace is pretty upset because this is like, this is humongous. I mean, 50% of your biggest customer is almost as bad as losing your biggest customer. You oh, know? it's wor- it'd be worse because, I mean, there's, there's no way. more, right? Well, if they order enough, the margins will get big enough, right? right, right. Which is what eventually happens. But on the surface, uh, you know, you're looking at like, you know, your your margins are probably only like seven, eight, maybe ten percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what the profit margins are, but you're, all of a sudden you're losing forty yeah. percent on every order instead of if you lost the customer. You wouldn't be losing. You'd be losing right, the revenue, but you wouldn't you the be losing yeah. money on the inventory, right? That's right? Yeah. So it's terrible. This could be catastrophic oh. for all of Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where if it hadn't have worked out the way it does, I mean, Grant, we don't know how big. Uh, you know, is is Blue Cross their biggest customer at five percent, or are they like twenty five percent, or whatever? Right, right, right. Because like maybe they have way more customers, but they're the only ones that take up such a big chunk. But yeah, if it's most of the revenue for the year in that capacity, then it's right. I mean, it's one of those things where it has the ability to, depending on how big it is, to sink the Scranton branch like completely. Just and I mean, with the volume that they could order in, could sink Dunder Mifflin total, right? Because of all the losses. Yeah. So, uh, so now Michael is trying to figure out how he can blame this on everybody else, right? Right. Because so, David Wallace calls and is pissed. Obviously yeah, pissed. Right. Um. So he calls another conference and he has everybody inside and he's all like, "I am just a, you know, all your bad ideas just bounce off me." And, Oh, I'm a I'm like an idea sponge for all your crappy yeah. ideas or something. Yeah, and um, so he tries to eventually decides he can blame Dwight. You know, right? Because he like knows Dwight will do it. Yeah, he's he's loyal to the company. He's loyal to Michael. He'll he'll bite that bullet. Um, Dwight, however, actually takes really good notes about his daily interactions with people. Right. Because he has a journal to keep secrets from his computer. Um, And in it, he um, has like the day Michael says, this is my idea. Right. This is what we're going to do. You know, this is sort of like, I mean, this is, this is Michael at his worst. I mean, just far and away at his worst, you know? And it's the last really giant, crazy, stupid thing that Dwight agrees to do for Michael. Right. Yeah, you know, so he's he just and he he doesn't even we don't even know that he's agreed to do it, right? Because he doesn't get the the chance to do it. But what I do love is that in this situation, 
he sees that Michael isn't going to defend him and he takes the credit for the idea from Wallace. Right. You know, and so he's just like, you know what? You weren't going to do the right thing, so I'm not going to do it either and I'm not going to help you out. That's right. Right. Um, And again, another instance of furthering the wedge between Dwight and Michael for this impending Michael Scott paper company story arc, right? Right. And okay, so here's another just sort of off the, you know, uh, tangential thing. So this is so good that Wallace wants Dwight to talk to marketing, right? Like this is big idea, huge. You know, he said this is going to be big for the company. How big of a windfall did this end up being for Jim? Um, be- oh, because, right, they- because he makes commission, right? Right. Um, yeah, that is a good point. You know, is this like, does this end up being like an extra 30, 40, 50% commission kind of thing? Or like, I mean, this is a huge deal. So Jim probably made a good ton of money off this, off of this switch, which we assume continues in perpetuity. Right. That's a good point. Cause the, this episode doesn't really resolve for him in that context. Right. Right. Like, no, it never comes up. Um, and obviously there's no reason why Blue Cross would order more because they have a discount. They would take advantage of being able to get the same amount of product that they need while cutting costs for their annual budget or whatever. Well, right. But they made, well, what they did is they made Dunder Mifflin the exclusive exclusive. provider. Right. So they, they end up ordering more because it's cheaper than everyone else. Right. so, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So then the question is, does Jim lose out, obviously, this one year, but make up for it in the subsequent years? Well, I mean, since they're going to be ordering everything going forward, you would, you probably took a hit like that quarter, but started making it up in the next quarters, I would guess. I mean, what what kind of document would anybody have to sign to make someone an exclusive provider of service? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's a policy that you only, like, you could only order from these people. But that's Blue Cross's policy. Right, it's Blue Cross's policy, right. And, but they could change that whenever. So them saying this thing that makes David so happy today could be wrong in six months when there's another embarrassing watermark boner. That's true. That right. is true. Right. Like, but, there's no you contractual know, for half obligation. Off, yeah. For half off, companies will, will put up a, with a lot of shit. <laughs> From suppliers for half off. Yeah, that's fair. I suppose you're right. Um, right, because then what's the point of going to a provider you can't confirm who has good service, you know, dealing with all of their oddities for the first time as opposed to working with a company that's giving you 50% off that maybe has a, a mouse and a duck bone in Bob Vant style. Right, but that's only like, you know, once every so often. Yeah. Well, they let that uh, that Debbie lady go after her mess up. So hopefully they hired someone better. Well, and one uh, one thing I do love is so they pull Dwight out, you know, and make you know David makes this announcement to everybody in the office, right? And you know Michael's getting just pissed off, right? Right. right. And Jim jumps in, and, and I, I think Jim 
because you, you you get this uh, the sense that he's upset with Michael for doing this, like, right. uh, and so he's just like, oh yeah, good good job, Dwight, yeah. you know. And then then Pam jumps in and gives him a hug, and that just really incenses Michael because you know the other Pam stuff we've already discussed. It's like thanks for saving the company. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, like not for nothing, but again, David Wallace is like someone who doesn't live in the Dunder Mifflin Scranton office world. Right. So presumably he's a regular person. <laughs> so when this stuff happens, you feel like he would notice some type of oddity in everybody's behavior. But um, he kind of plays along, too, because I guess he's particularly happy about it. Right. 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 Um, also, I was trying to think as a marketing person myself. If one of my company's sales reps came up with a good idea, would they be forced to meet with us? Because it seems weird that Dwight comes up with this one idea and like get him on the phone with marketing immediately, you know, as if it wasn't just a one one good idea, like he's full of good ideas. Right. But as we know um, in the whole thing that Dunder Mifflin's struggling Right, right. So this, this is why he sent Michael out on the lecture circuit. He's looking for anything to help. Right. Um, and to answer my own question, my company would do that. <laughs> you know, if a sales rep was like, hey, I sent out this email with a cat gif in it. They're like, oh, great. You got to talk to Jerry because <laughs> give him that idea. You know, <laughs> stupid. Anyway, so, um, so they set up this call and it's just... Um, David, Dwight, and Pam to take notes. Who's taking diligent notes. Right. And um, they're on the phone, and then the uh, marketing guys say, hey, is there a dog there or something? <laughs> David's like, no, there's no dog, um, but it's uh, Michael from his office being a creep. Right. And you know, he, he eventually bursts in, is like, starts... He's like, no, it's not the right movie. Dwight doesn't know. It was my idea. It keeps going back and forth. We learn about Toilet Buddy and it's, Horse Boat. <laughs> so explain Toilet Buddy, previously known as Toilet Guard, to me. It's a uh, net that catches things from falling possibly in the toilet. But is it on all the time? I would assume there's a way to disengage it. it when you have to go... Right. Right. This is a very poop-centric episode. (laughs) It's it's quite funny. It's it's human Uh, nature, man. That's... Right. Uh, So that happens, and... Horse boat. This this would... Because, you know, Dwight says, he made me do this, he made me take the fall, et cetera. You know, and this with one billion trillion percent get michael fired i mean no you know coercing an employee intimidation of an employee all this stuff would have gotten him fired right on this paper is, in this own context right it, right right but, but this actually sort of sets up something for um wallace wallace's character where he puts up with more than he should if that person is doing something he's okay with. Right. So Michael is producing, 
but he should be fired. But he's producing. He's afraid to mess it up. The same with Andy and his boat in season nine. You right, know, right? Uh, so it's an. This it, is actually a very good um, field for like feel for Wallace and how he handles people. Right. Like Michael probably should have been fired so many times, but since he is producing, he doesn't let him go. Yeah. That's a good point. And uh, yeah, I never thought about it in that context. Boom. Great Scott. Boom. <laughs> uh, so Mike or David's like, look, don't send me the notes. This never happened. So right. he just like, pushes under the rug and this is actually the last episode before charles shows up yeah so i wonder if this is like the straw that broke the camel's back to get that buffer between him and michael yeah yeah right that makes sense uh and i would say probably and and, you know maybe it was one of those things where they were always going to hire charles but they gave him that more hands-on role to be the buffer you know, right? Because again, Charles is basically Ryan and Jan, right? But like you said, right. he's more directly involved in specifically Scranton's day to day. Right? Because you know, instead of him being in New York, he's in Scranton for you know a good amount of time. Right? Because he was going to be there for at least a couple of days originally. Right? Like once right. that starts it ends to play up out, in weeks. Right, because of the thing, the Michael Scott well, paper company split. Well, well, yes. Well, it would make sense to make him the, uh, you know, the boss when Michael Scott paper company happens. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it is the very next episode he puts it in his two weeks. So maybe, maybe it wasn't that. But also, when Michael calls for David, it goes to Charles, etc. Right. Uh, there is a B storyline. It's really minor with uh, Andy and Jim and Pam giving Kevin advice. Right. For which culminates, own. which really isn't that big of a deal, but culminates with Kevin also being cute again, where he's like meets her in the parking lot. He's like, hey, I really like you. I want to take you to dinner and a movie. Would you like to do that too? She's like, yeah. He's like, looks down, like boobs. He like gets all like scared, and she smiles. Yeah, and I think we never see her again after this. Uh, oh, I felt like we did, but yeah, maybe you're right because I can't think of another instance we do. Um, maybe she comes to the cafe disco. I don't know. Maybe not. She might come to cafe disco. Yeah, but that's yeah. I think of like she's like she seems like she was getting built up to be something like enough like in. It feels like an introduction of another character, but then it never it comes you know, to fruition or something. Yeah, so maybe yeah. something happened there. Um, well, because stuff starts to get again crazy. I mean, the Michael Scott Paper Company stuff, I you know, is kind of crazy to me with that. And then um, because he's gone, they introduce Aaron, so Aaron becomes like a whole thing that everybody in the office is talking about, and. Uh, yeah, so maybe it's just too many. It's hard when you're managing all these uh, different characters who are outside of the office environment, you know? Right. Um, it's so probably I, the, I wonder if they just decide to, like, kill it. Right. Maybe someone will know or there's, like, deleted scenes or something. Because, like, there's not even, like, a breakup storyline where they... Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. I'm looking. The Office, Kevin and Lynn. Uh, Lynn has her own wiki page. That makes sense. She's a great character. 
<laughs> um, yeah, they make out at Cafe Disco. Um, oh, in a deleted scene, it is real that she just wanted to be friends with him. So that was also in Cafe Disco. So in a deleted uh, scene, they kind of break up. Okay. Okay, good to know. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so if I had to rate this episode, yeah, I'd probably give this like a 2.7 out of five extraordinary jelly beans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it's a good episode, but it is so awkward. Like this is one of those that normally I'll give awkward episodes high praise, but this one, like Michael's such a terrible person. I have a hard time liking it. Yeah. So I'm giving this a two out of five, uh, cowboy obsessions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately this is a fine round of episodes, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And you can definitely tell they're building into this next arc of episodes. Right. I mean, that I mean, seems to be how these seasons go is that, like, there's a little bit of closure in the beginning. There's the fun stuff in the middle. And then as we approach the ending, it gets a little bit more story heavy and stuff like that. Right. Because the next nine episodes is pretty much one story arc. So we get the new boss. We get Michael Scott Paper Company. And then sort of there's a couple episodes that wind down that story. Then the company picnic happens and boom, we're done. Yeah, I mean, because the only thing that is non-related to the that arc are, like, B storylines, I guess. But really, Charles being the boss over there is, like, really permeating in the office space. And then right, all of the Michael right. Scott mm-hmm. Paper Company stuff is always about, like, surviving, you know? Right. Um, yeah, so you're right. It's, like, really story-heavy moving forward from here. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. All right, well... Thanks for coming out. You can find me at, at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. Please email us, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, we're on r slash Dunder Mifflin on Reddit, uh, patreon.com forward slash broken jars if you want to give us some of your hard earned money that we will very much appreciate. Um, yeah, I think that's all the things we need to plug. Don't forget, we've got other shows. We've got High Fantasy, which has me. It's a writing podcast. We have the Dresden Files podcast, uh, which is about the Dresden Files, obviously. We have J-Ray's podcast, Dangerous to Go Alone, which is a nerd life and culture. Yep, we're doing a spoiler cast of Wonder Woman uh, for our next episode, so be sure to check it out this weekend or next weekend, and uh, you can catch us in like a week and a half or so. Cool. And then we're doing, and then I think that's it. Is that it right now? That is the main stuff. And we may be adding a new show. We're uh, discussing that now. So we might have a new show on the roster soon. So technology content soon the world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye.